Cody Pogue from Climbing Towsil and at Astros Numbers on Twitter joins us to talk everything Astros. We've also got another episode of Chatters Box at the end. We're talking the top five pitchers in the AL West, not just starters, everyone. Welcome to Painting Corners, your weekly podcast for all things baseball. Now, here are your hosts, Austin Hartsfield and Dave Kwiatkowski. Welcome back to another episode of our off-season preview. Today, we are going to be covering the Houston Astros. We have Cody from Climbing Towels Hill. How you doing, Cody? Doing good, guys. How about y'all? Doing great. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and being a part of this today. A little disclaimer, uh, we have a little audio issue going on today, so if it sounds a little odd, don't worry about it. By the time our next episodes roll around, we'll be back to normal on that. For new people listening to the podcast... We kind of go over each team. We're going to go over position by position, basically the meat and potatoes of the roster. We're going to go over catcher all the way down into the starting five in the bullpen. And speaking of that, we're just going to get off and start with the catcher. Cody, your catching situation last year was a little different. You had a bunch of people behind the plate. You had some injuries. You had guys come in specifically to try and beat fast teams like the Red Sox, like with Malinato. Who's going to be the opening day roster Who's going to be the open day starter on the roster for the Astros this year? That's uh, that's an interesting one uh, right now, mainly due to the fact that, as you probably are uh, aware right now, JT really Muto the Marlins has been heavily linked to the Astros in various trade talks. Uh, so far, the Astros have shown reluctance to part ways with the top prospects to get him. So right now, the the top two catchers on the roster is uh, Max Stassi, who's a holdover from last year. He's been in the Astros system uh, since uh, acquired from the A's back in 13. Uh, and the other one is a recent signee, uh, Robinson Chineros, who played for the Rangers for the last couple seasons. Uh, right now, you kind of got Max Stassi, who's kind of considered a defensive whiz on the club. He was one of the best uh, uh Framers per uh, baseball prospectus last year. Uh, then you got Robinson Chineros, who's not really known for his framing, but he's got a pretty good bat. So if you combine those two, you got the ideal catcher. But if I had to take a guess right now, I, I, unless something changes on the real Muto front, I I assume it's going to be probably uh, Stassi. Yeah, I would say so as well. And Torino's in his last year of his deal, will just kind of sub in there when he can and give him a deal. Stassi has a great contract, so he's well under controlled. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. I mean, JT Real Muto will put this team over the top, right? I mean, with all the great pitching you guys have currently, bullpen starters, and obviously all the superstars now, Tuve and Bregman and all those guys. I can see that happening. It's a little bit of a weak point, probably the only weak point for you guys when it comes to bats. But I can see you guys making a run for JT Real Muto. I just don't know if they're actually going to give up Jeter's asking price for it, which I don't think Jeter should really lower either because, you know, he is probably the best catcher in baseball right now. Oh, yeah. Real Muto will be the real deal. He would help elevate this team to a whole nother level, especially in the lineup, you know, because back in 17, the catcher was a little bit of a strength because you had McCann, who had actually a, a, an okay year with the bat, and then Evan Gattis. But, uh, you know, fast forward two years later is a different looking position. And uh, the only catch with I, if the Astros, I have a feeling that they're willing to include Kyle Tucker for Rilla Muto. I have a feeling a deal will happen fast. But the only other concern I have in my mind is 
how much more would the Marlins push for, and especially in light of the returns they got for uh, Marcelo Zuna and Gio Carl Stan last year, I imagine some teams are maybe kind of hoping, well, maybe the Marlins asking price will drop at the like the 11th hour, and they're like, oh, we really probably do need to make a move. Yeah, at some point, something's going to break, right? And unless JT surprises everybody and signs a huge mega extension down there in Miami, which I don't think he's going to do. I think he's going to test yeah. free agency. So the clock's on for Miami, and Houston's definitely going to be one of the teams I'll be calling, even if it's like how they got Verlander after the uh, after the regular tread deadline by the waiver deadline. So jumping over to first base, uh, you have Guriel there for the next two years. I assume he's going to be your everyday first baseman there. He's a solid first baseman, solid guy at the bat. You know, good contract, just kind of everything you really want there. Yeah, Yuli, uh, he's in an interesting situation right now because he had that. Of course, he started off the season with that five game suspension that carried over from you know his controversial, um, you know, incident with Yu Darvish uh, when he pitched for the Dodgers, and that carried over into this past season. And then he had a surgery on what they call. A, uh, correct me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, but I think it's called his hamate bone or something like that. And essentially, it was to remove part of it, to my understanding. And uh, there's some interesting work on the internet if you take time uh, that kind of shows players who normally have that type of surgery, especially right there on that bone in their hand, uh, their power is kind of sags for a bit, then it rebounds. So, but he's in an interesting spot because uh, the Astros, as you know, Marlon Gonzalez is probably gone. Uh, and the Astros have kind of tossed around the idea of moving Gurriel around the diamond in a similar way that they did with uh, Marwin. So, but as of right now, he if there's going to be a, a first base controversy, it's going to be who probably gets the starts uh, more times than not between Yuli and uh, Tyler White. Yeah, I can see that. Tyler White was another good addition. He had some really tough at-bats last year. Even if he didn't put the ball in play, per se, he was tough. He's a tough out, and he's an athlete as well. Guriel, I think, can kind of mold into that Marwin form. He's also no slouch when it comes to the field. I don't think he's as bad as some people may think. And, you know, like you said with the bone, I mean, you look at Dustin Pedroia for years when he had his torn ligaments in his thumb. He can't even hold the bat. I mean, you look at Zinn the Bogarts last year. You look at Aaron Judge this year, how much time he missed from his little fracture in his wrist, which looked worse than it was. But in the grand scheme of things of injuries, it wasn't really that bad. And, you know, it took him a little bit to even get back, too. So with Gurriel there, I mean, I think he'll be fine. And you might see him bounce around, especially with some injuries. You guys like Altuve, who are on and off. And, you know, Bregman isn't an injury-prone guy, but you never know he could be. He's always diving around the diamond, make, selling out, you know, his soul for, for plays, which is great to watch. But, you know, you look at a guy like Dustin Pedroia, I'll bring him up again, which, you know, he was doing that for years, won three gold gloves, all that fun stuff. But his body really deteriorated on him. So having a guy that's flexible like that is great. Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely a it's definitely a nice thing to have, especially you know 162 game season. It's long. It's long. Oh yeah. So, so let's go to second base. We have one of the best, if not the best, second baseman of this generation. The guy is going to have 200 hits every year. He's basically doing what Ichiro did in his prime at the plate. I mean, it's one of those things to where now he's adding power to his game. We saw the home runs go up the past couple of years. Jose Altuve is becoming almost unstoppable at this point and continues to get better with the glove and the bat. Just what does he mean to this Astros team at this point? If there's a heart and soul of this Astros team, it's probably 
Altuve is probably right up there. He means a lot to this club. Uh, when he went down with his injury towards the uh, right after the All Star break, if I memory serves me correctly, but he when he went down, the the lineup kind of uh, you know they they kind of had their issues for a little bit, you know, because you're also down Correa, Springer had his injury issues, but especially Altuve when he went down. Uh, the uh, the offense just wasn't clicking like it normally does, and he's a he, he's a big reason for their success and everything. And you know, I think I think one of the key things the Astros are going to try to do this uh, this year is keep Altuve healthy throughout the full 162 game season, which is why I think you may see him DH a little bit, and you may see a guy like uh, Aledmez uh, uh, Diaz, who was recently acquired from the Blue Jays here about six or so weeks ago i think you may see him at second base some to cover a little bit for altuve but i altuve will still get the the main share of second base but don't be surprised if he if you see dash was use him as a dh a bit more and let him kind of you know rest his body up yeah i mean with altuve it's not a question of if he's going to be the starter or not. It's just how long is he going to play this year until he either needs a break or an injury comes. And I think that's a perfect way to do it is just to throw Diaz in there, who is a very serviceable fielder, you know, in his time in Toronto. I mean, we see a lot of them being Red Sox fans. So he's very capable with the glove, and he's not a bad hitter either. It's it's a good move. And the Astros made a lot of good moves, you know, this offseason so far, and Diaz being one of them. Michael Brantley being another guy who, if he can stay healthy, is really going to help out that club and really going to help out that outfield. And jumping over to third base, it's kind of the same thing. It's not a question of if he's going to be there. It's just how long is this guy going to be there for? Alex Bregman, you know, probably the best third baseman this year in the AL. I mean, you got he's up there already with Arenado when it comes to hitting and his fielding. And he's incredible. And he's young. He has an attitude towards him that some people don't like. But he backs it up. And it's just – it's he's very confident. And he's locked up for a while. Team control this year and then three years of arbitration. Is he a guy that gets an Altuve deal, like a $30 million a year, you know, pretty sooner than later? Or is he a guy that you might end up losing? Because trying to keep, you know, Bregman, Altuve, Correa, you know, whenever Tucker comes up and, you know, keeping guys like Garrett Cole around. Is he going to be one of those guys that gets lost in the shuffle and moves or is he going to be a cornerstone for this franchise? Oh, I may be a bit biased, but I do believe the Astros will make keeping Bregman a priority, uh, especially considering how young he is. He's only, uh, he's, uh, I have it right here. He's only uh, 20, yeah, 24. He'll be 25 by the time the season starts. And, you know, as much as the Astros, you know, Love Correa's, love Springer, and a few of these other guys. Uh, I thinking if you had to ask me today, uh, who would be under uh, all those three guys who would be under contract long term uh, with the Astros? I probably say Bregman right now, because uh, and plus two the season he had this past year, you know he really he really jumped on everybody's radar. You know, of course the postseason he had when the Astros made the World Series run helped but you know last season he stepped up and he was there you know for as much as uh the Astros uh you know, you know get credit for Altuve, Correa, and Springer Bregman he was by far the most consistent and overall their best player last year uh you know at least on the position player side so I I expect long term he the Astros are going to try everything they can to keep him long term yeah, I agree with you. I think that if any one of those younger guys was going to be there, it would be him. 
he is going to be the next Altuve when it comes to this team where he's just going to, you know what you're going to get out of him every single year. You're going to get gold glove defense, batting 300 or hitting power and 280 plus. He's, he's all around player. He's obsessed with baseball. He's obsessed with the game. His drive's always going to be there. You know, he has no, there's no signs like a Manny Machado that he might fall off or that he doesn't care as much. The guy just lives and breathes baseball. He did it at college where they gave him his own card to go into hitting because he was calling the coaches up at two in the morning to let him in. And they just <laughs> said, I, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I mean, everyone's most people heard that story, and but it's true. He's he's sicko when it comes to that. But it's you need that type of stuff, and a lot of young guys in, on this team have it. But he just kind of leads it. Another younger guy on this team, shortstop. I mean, it's Correa, and hot and cold sometimes, yes, but he he's world talent as well. Exactly, and Correa is going to be interesting. This upcoming season is going to be real important for him uh, uh, in a way because. I think the Astros, I think if you were to ask me, I don't think they're 100% sure how they're going to allocate uh, future payroll to a lot of the core they have right now, or at least they're wanting to see how, you know, the next couple seasons go. And Correa is, uh, he, you know, he's airing that kind of that window where we're about to see, well, can he keep this up long term? Is this back injury going to be a long term concern? Uh, when he's when he's healthy, he's one of the best shortstops in the game. When, uh, but we saw this past year when uh, he's not right physically, you know, he he didn't look like the same player uh, he has the last two or three years. And the Astros, uh, I think it's kind of a similar situation to Altuve. I think you'll see Correa DH a bit uh, to keep him fresh. Uh, I would not be surprised if Diaz is another uh, guy to watch uh, kind of play a little bit short. Uh, with, yeah, uh, maybe even Curry. Bregman you see there if he moves yeah, over, exactly. like a Tyler White goes in there third base or something, and mm-hmm. you know, or Guriel even. Yes, exactly. And that's the one thing that the Astros do value is uh, roster flexibility. We see in all these years with Marwin when he was here, and you know they, you know the Astros, you know they're not really keen on you know getting just a just a one position type of player if they can, especially uh, with all these. Uh, you know, they got all these players that can play different positions. They really value that. And Correa, but Correa, if he could get his back right, um, I look for a rebound year. But this is, you know, it hasn't been really discussed much. Uh, I know it's around the Astros this offseason. But this this upcoming season, I think it's going to be a very important one for him. The inability to stay healthy with him is becoming kind of like a a thing at this point because he hasn't been able to stay healthy all but one of his seasons and you know last year he had the the year where he you know still had a good year with only 110 games hit 318 and you know nobody was really crying about it at that point but now when he has this problem and he goes out there and hits 239 you have to think about somebody behind him at that point because you don't know if he's going to hold up i mean everybody has injury problems we've seen it time and time again to where somebody gets a back injury like david wright per se around that same part of the infield and it ruins a career because you can't twist the same way at that point exactly the the mechanics of his swing you know i'm not you know i'm not an expert on that or anything but just by watching him you know just by watching the last few years it was easy to tell even to you know just a, a observer just go oh something is not something's not right and uh, and that and that's the thing is I think out of all the injuries because he has had a, a few uh, notable injuries I remember one time in the minors he broke his leg on a sl- uh, I think a bad slide into third base which is actually 
ironic because one of the first times that I started blogging, uh, I actually had a story ready to go about him, bragging him up in the very in that that next morning that night he uh he broke his leg i was like well there goes that one but uh and then uh then i remember when he slid into uh i think it was home play back in uh 17 when he missed a little bit of time and he messed up his uh hand a bit but that back one especially is just it it, it concerns me I'll, I'll i'll put out that all right so if we're gonna keep going and we're gonna go to the outfield before we even tackle anybody that's going to be in the outfield probably starting in 2019 right Let's talk about Kyle Tucker. I mean, I think Kyle Tucker is amazing, but everything around the Houston media and the Houston fan base and Houston Twitter seems to absolutely hate him. What's going on with that? It's limited ABs, and they're judging him already. Yeah, that's what the, that's the crazy part. Is he's literally had like seventy two play appearances over I think across like twenty or twenty nine games. You know, he they called him up, they gave him a bit of a shot, but you know, towards. Uh, towards the as the season kind of wore on, it was very sporadic when he played. You know, which for a top prospect like that, you know, I'm not really a fan of. You know, play, you know, sporadic. If you're going to let him play, just keep him down uh, AAA. But at the same time, like it, he's been a very divisive figure. A lot of people were like, "Well, you never know about prospects." But of course, you know, for a club that rebuilt through prospects, you know, notable ones at that, uh, it's kind of one of those. It's kind of one of those situations. The Astros are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Do they maximize on their short-term window or their long-term window? And and Tucker, Tucker, yeah, he didn't have the greatest results last year, but he was actually, if you go by Statcast data, he was actually one of the unluckiest hitters on the, or if not the the unluckiest hitter on the club last year. You know, he just he just never could get that break and. And a lot, and some fans down here, they want points where it's like, well, attitude, effort. I'm like, yeah, but give the guy time. He's only, he's really young still. There's a reason why he's still highly uh, ranked across, you know, the prospect rankings. And plus, you know, if teams were having such concerns about him, why in the world would he still be in high demand in trade discussions? And I think, I think going forward, I think if the Astros hang on to Tucker, I think uh, he may not be an MVP candidate or anything like that, but I think he'll be a a multi-all-star at some point. And the thing is, he can be what Michael Brantley was in his prime. Like, that's what I see him being. uh, You know, a good outfielder, but really good at the plate. Obviously not like an MVP candidate like Brantley was, but it's definitely a possibility. I mean, the ceiling is there. And I think the floor at this point is him being somewhere like what Nomar Mazara is right now, which I know as an Astros fan, like probably roll your eyes at that, but Nomar Mazara is a serviceable baseball player. Oh yeah. Nomar Mazara, just real quick. Yeah. I think if he gets a, he's still really young. I think if he gets a bit more time, I think he's an interesting player to watch on that rebuilding Rangers club. So but going back to Tucker, just real quick, yeah, the media and the fans down here, it, it, a lot of people are just caught up in the fact that, you know, 2019 holds a lot of importance because those last guaranteed years of Verlander's deal, Garrett Cole's deal, uh, Springer will be one year closer to the free agency. The same thing for Correa. Everybody's like, well, why not maximize and maximize the window in 2019 but the only problem is is if you trade tucker for jt Rilamuto, who would be a great addition but would he right now you're looking at a club that still projects the uh, runaway of the al west you know one of the probably one of the top three teams in the al uh how much mark like how much does that really improve you when if 
at that point, the question is bad to be asked. Are you picking up Rila Muto for that big postseason push? And two, will Rila Muto put you over the top against teams like the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Indians, and possibly teams like, you know, the they're on the fringes like the Rays? And I've seen guys that just want to skip Tucker in general and just go straight to Jordan Alvarez. I'm like, you have to give the kid ABs in order to judge him in the first place. Like, just exactly. let him play a season before we start to give up on this kid. Exactly. And, and, that's the thing is when uh, well uh, we, uh, just pause in my mind when Alex Bregman first came up he went through a really noticeable uh, stretch where he just did not hit you know the results weren't there um, the underlying data, data was encouraging but you know he just wasn't getting the hits and a lot of people I I kid you not you go on Twitter you just see some random fans tweet out oh Bregman's a bust and you know this is literally you know two weeks after he got called up like like oh we should have traded him for Chris Sell when we had the chance and uh, for a team that you know really for a fan base that really prides itself on you know being rebuilt through what people around here called the process when Luno first took charge. Uh, it was a little bit of a strange reaction, but now as you see, Bregman's uh, you know this past year was an MVP candidate, and I'm not saying Tucker is going to be that, but uh, I totally agree with what you're saying. You have to give the you no map bats. You have to give him playing. You can't do this platoon or you know play him every couple of days. He's he's got to get regular playing time to prove what he's uh, capable of. Yeah, I totally agree there. And you look at some other fans. Go look at Aaron Judge when he first came up. He batted, what, about 130, 170. Mm-hmm. Couldn't hit a curveball at all. Literally looked lost at the plate. He looked like, uh, what's his face, in Major League, Soriano, when he threw him a, a curveball. Just couldn't do it. And then he took some time, took the offseason, and actually learned how to be patient and learned how to identify and not swing through his shoes. And look what Aaron Judge has become. These prospects need, you know, constant ABs. They need constant time in the field. They need to grow with the big league club and the coaches. And that's just, you know, how it is. And Tucker should be a staple out there for a while. JT Real Muto has two years left of control. And he's going to want a huge deal, a deal that the Astros won't be able to afford at that point. And the short term, they're making great deals. I think that your outfield going into the offseason was not the best just because of hitting-wise. Defensively, it was going to be great with Fisher and Kemp, Marisnik and Reddick and Springer. I mean, defensively, it's great. But Springer was the only real power threat you had out there and only really guy with some good pop. Bringing in Michael Brantley was amazing because it's on a short team-friendly contract, two years, so it's not going to block anybody. And if he can stay healthy, which they have the rest of the roster to play certain positions for him to give him days off, like an Altuve, he can be a real menace out there. He can bat close to 300 for contact while you have Springer with some pop. And then, I mean, defensively, you guys are going to be great out there with Marisnik and Kemp and, and Brantley. So... I would be very excited about this outfield. I think it's one of the better outfielders in the outfields in the AL in general. I agree. And uh, right now is a really interesting thing with Brantley. Brantley, from the get-go of the uh, offseason, he was identified as a guy who this would be a good fit for the Astros. You know, he's one of those guys you're not going, like you said, commit long-term to. Like a two- or three-year contract would have been fair. Um, he's got the proven history. Of course, the injuries aren't concerned, but yeah, full, fully healthy year in 2018. He looked like his old self again. And just on paper, him and uh, Springer in the outfield, uh, uh, between their offensive prowess and, you know, their defensive abilities, you know, you feel pretty good with that. 
And the Astros, they're going to have a little bit of a log jam in, in the outfield. Uh, it's been rumored a little bit. It never, I don't think it picked up much traction. But around the winter meetings, it was kind of discussed that the Astros were shopping Ray to uh, kind of open up a spot in the outfield for maybe a younger player, like, you know, maybe a full-time role for Kemp or, you know, to open up playing time for guys like that. But it's going to be interesting if they keep Reddick, uh, how they're going to approach their outfield depth with uh, Marisnik, Kemp, you also have a young uh, a player who made his debut this past year in Miles Straw, and uh, Dash was like him quite a bit. He's uh, he's doesn't have much power, but he's fast. He makes contact. He's a you know, I think he stole seventy some bases down in uh, with the Fresno Grizzlies and Astros uh, AAA affiliate last year, but. Right now, they have a little bit of an outfield logjam. You also have Diaz in there as well. It's going to be interesting to see what because uh, they when they acquired him, they kind of made a point saying we see him kind of, you know getting some reps in um, left field, and so th- it's going to be interesting to see how that shapes out. But defensively, their outfield's always been uh, been fine, especially you know with Marisnik, but. And especially when you have Marisnik, Reddick, and Springer out there, adding Brantley only helps. The question is, like you uh, mentioned, is they're hitting outside of Springer and Brantley. Uh, Reddick, he kind of had an off year this past year. It's going to be interesting to see if he uh, bounces back. Um, Kemp was kind of a spark plug, but uh, he doesn't offer much in terms of power. Marisnik offers, you know, his power has, you know, been well noted in Houston, but he just can't seem to make contact. His strikeout rate at one point, his strikeout and walk rate uh, differential was, it was one of the, it was, I think. It was Joey Gallo bad for a little bit. Yes, yes. When Joey Gallo is doing better in that category than you are, you know you're taking some hacks. So I think. I'll be. I'm very interested to see how this outfield shapes shapes out. Um, outside the obvious, Springer and Brantley, I think Reddick hangs around, and I would not be surprised if you see uh, Marisnik and Kemp open the season on the roster as well. Let's go to starting pitching. Uh, outside of let's start. Let's start with the number one prospect pitching wise in baseball, at least. Uh, Force Whitley is a monster. Dave and I. Were- we're just talking about before the show about how absolutely just nasty he is. I mean, if you can do that much with those pitches, you're going to be a very, very good uh, pitcher in this league. I mean, the the comparison right here is Zach Grinky, and that is not a bad person to be compared with when you're 21 years old. Exactly. Uh, uh, Forrest Whitley, he's one of those... You know, teams, you always kind of hear them like, hey, you know, rumors going around about such and such player. You're like, well, the team brought up Forrest Willie. The common joke among the Astros fans is that Jeff Luna automatically hangs out the phone anytime uh, Whitley's name is mentioned in uh, trade negotiations. Uh, Whitley's been kind of, for as, as much reluctance as Astros has shown trading Kyle Tucker, their top position prospect, I think uh, I think is a virtual impossible that they will trade Forrest Willie for pretty much anybody right now uh they they have high hopes for him he's you know he's a tall right-hander he can reach the upper 90s with his fastball he's got a good uh he's got some pretty decent secondary stuff uh you know he strikes uh, down the minors at least he struck out uh, uh guys at a high rate uh the big catch with him is he did go through a little bit of injury issues with his oblique, I believe, this past year. And then uh, he had the drug suspension, which a lot of people thought was for PEDs. But according to the source we saw down here near San Antonio, uh, I, I believe it was for um, it was, I think it was for Adderall. He took like a he took a trip down uh, to uh, 
to see a buddy's baseball game and to help him make him through the drive at night. I think, you know, suppose rumor has it he took uh, he took Adderall or something akin to that. Uh, that was a sports re- I can't think of his name right now, but a sports reporter from San Antonio reported that back like in last February or March. But um, but yeah, it is uh, he's one of those that they have high hopes for him. Uh, before the injury issues took place, they were hoping uh, he would kind of make a David Price kind of impact on this club, like uh, Price did when he came up with the Rays here about ten or eleven years ago. So, but they they got high hopes, and he. Uh, I would not be shocked if he finds himself a home in the Astros starting rotation uh, by uh, midsummer. Yeah, I wouldn't really be surprised surprised there at all. I mean, he's got like the frame of like a Chris Sale, but throws like Grinky and Kershaw, and just and throws BBs in there too. And the twelve six curveball is a lost art. You know, anytime exactly. I hear that, I think of Barry Zito and I think of Kershaw, which in my eyes is some of the best twelve six curves in the past ten or twenty years. But He'll be up at some point, if not this year, definitely next year starting for sure. You know, 2020, he'll be there. And that would be big, too, considering Verlander. This is his last year in the contract. And at some point, he's going to fall off. He re- he reinvented himself when he came to Houston. He had a good stretch right before he was traded here. But, man, when he got here in 2018, it was like lightning in a bottle. And it just stuck again. He refound himself. But outside of Verlander, who's you know, obviously getting older and technically might not even be here next year. The Astros' probably weakest point is their starting pitching. You have Garrett Cole, who finally figured it out with, I mean, you guys have great pitching staff down there. And, you know, spin rate's a big word. And just like Tampa Bay has their changeup, you guys have your spin rate and really help pitchers find themselves. But this year you have Verlander, Cole, and McCullers. But you have a lot of younger guys and a lot of question marks. Are you worried about the starting pitching this year and do you think they'll go get a veteran someone that will just eat innings or do you think they're going to go try and get somebody that's legitimately a top three starter like not like to the same extent of like a Patrick Corbin that went to Washington or how James Paxton was traded over to the Yankees do they go get a guy like Sonny Gray and try and fit him in or do they just stick with what they got roll Verlander Cole McCullers and let the young guys kind of fill it in well yeah right now the rotation really is just Right now is Justin Verlander and Garrett Kohler. You know, anytime you you have those two guys, especially after the years they had last year, you know, you feel pretty good going to 2019 with those two is the top of your rotation. Unfortunately for Lance McCullers, he's probably going to be out most of the season due to Tommy John, which is a Oh, bummer. that's right. I keep thinking yeah. that he's coming back like playoff time for some reason. Yeah, and they they haven't fully closed the door on him coming. Uh, you know, maybe coming back, maybe as maybe a reliever at the very end of the season. Maybe if they need one more right-handed guy in the postseason, but they haven't. I say they haven't completely closed the door on that. But I I would be very shocked if he pitches at all for the Astros in 2019. Uh, uh, now a familiar name that will be back in the rotation as the presumptive number three starter would be Colin McHugh, who spent the past year uh, in relief. He had an injury-prone season in 2017. Uh, uh, then this past year, after they picked up uh, Cole and they still had Charlie Morton, Dallas Keuchel, they just decided to move McHugh to the uh, to the bullpen, which he did really well in. He was actually oh, he probably, pitched phenomenal there down the bullpen. He had under a two ERA and mm-hmm. you know pitch a 
handful of games. I mean, he's another guy that can really help you out this year and replace McCullers, who I totally forgot about with Tommy John. Like, once again, I keep thinking I'm, I'm drinking that punch. He's going to come back and pitch the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the Houston media keeps pumping that. But Collins also on his last year of his deal. So you have your three there. And I mean, Josh James looks really good. And I think mm-hmm. that he's going to be something. And I worry about that, though, just because I feel like that's your weak point is you're starting pitching now with uh, Morton gone, McCullers hurt, and Keuchel, he's not going to come back. No, he's there, there's there's hope a little bit that if Keuchel's market doesn't develop like they're expecting to, which, to be honest, I'll be completely shocked if it doesn't develop. I think he's going to get probably a four-year deal with about 20, I'd say anywhere from 18 to $20 million annually. Uh Right now, they're beyond 2019, though. The Astros are looking pretty thin at the starting rotation. They have high hopes for Josh James, uh, who's shown flashes. Uh, Frember Valdez, uh, a left-hander, he made a, a, a positive impact on the club, especially uh, when uh, both Charlie Morton and uh, Colin McHugh went down. I mean, not Colin McHugh. Uh, um, Charlie Morton um, and uh, Lance McCullers went down with their injuries. And another guy they're really high on, too, is a young prospect by the name of uh, Corbin Martin. I believe he came from uh, Texas A&M, if I'm not mistaken. And they have high hopes for him. I think last I checked, he was ranked number five or six on MLB's uh, pipeline list for the Astros' top prospects. Uh, but I, another thing to keep an eye on, too, and a lot of fans are wondering this. Um, we're not sure Verlander is going to hang around with Houston past this year. He haven't really gotten much one way or another. Uh, now for Garrett Cole, though, a lot of fans are already talking like, well, should we go ahead and do an extension? And if I'm not mistaken, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Cole's representation is Scott Boris, I believe. Cole, um, yeah, uh, let me, I think yeah, let me check for you. Yes, it is. It is. Okay. That's what I thought. And, uh, money. Anyway, yeah, yes, that means yes. that means free agency. That means no deal. That no, that's not no bridge deal, no sweetheart deal or anything. No, exactly. And I think, I think the Astros, if Cole hits free agency, I do think they'll be a strong player for him. I think they're kind. I think they probably have hopes that they can form some sort of good top three with Cole, Whitley, and McCullers at the top of that rotation going forward in the future if they can retain Cole. But that's, I think, if anything else, I think. Fast forward one year from now, I think Garrett Cole is probably the most important discussion the Astros have. Uh, beyond that, you know, of course, Charlie's with uh, Tampa Bay now. Uh, I think I think right now, I think they're okay with the starting rotation for the most part going forward. I would not put it past them to acquire one more veteran pitcher. Now, who that would be, I'm not sure. Robbie Ray's been kind of a name thrown around lately from the Diamondbacks. Uh, Seth Lugo from the Mets is another interesting uh, uh, rumor, mainly uh, due to the two magic words, spin rate. Uh, everybody's been kind of linking them with, uh, uh, with the Astros on that. And, I think 2019, I think they'll add one more guy, roll with what they have, hope that they hit on Josh James, Fremor Valdez, or Forrest Whitley, or some combination thereof. And 2020 is going to be, I think, when they have to have some hard discussions about uh, what they're going to do long-term with that rotation. I, and, uh, and I think it all hinges on what uh, it all hinges on what Verlander and Cole want to do long-term. So help me out with the seven, eight, nine in this bullpen. We obviously know who the nine is. I mean, it's Roberto Osuna. I mean, acquired from the Blue Jays after that whole debacle. I mean, Astros mm-hmm. took some heat for that. 
And I mean, I think they should have. I mean, in a in a world where everybody can say anything that they want, you're gonna take heat for getting a guy like that. But who are the other two back end guys in this bullpen? Yeah, the other two outside of you know, which like you said, the criticism I I believe was deserved, especially you know in today's uh, you know age right now. Uh, but the other two guys, uh, I think. I think their second best reliever when he's at his best would be Ryan Presley, who was a, one of the actually I think more underrated acquisitions at the trade deadline Sneaky. for the Twins. That yeah, was he was a, good. That was a crazy good acquisition uh, on Luno's part. Uh, he, he Presley really stepped up and provided some good innings, especially considering some of the guys that Astros relied on during their championship run out of that bullpen, like a Chris Davinsky, Brad Peacock, uh, Will Two Harris. Two great guys did. too. Yeah, those as much as those guys shown in the past, they kind of fell off a little bit as 2018 went along, and uh, Presley really stepped up and took a lot of the he took a lot of the the heat off of that bullpen when after the Astros acquired him, he was he was a he was literally uh, uh, the, a big reason why they kept they they stayed in some games late when they did. Outside of Presley, it's kind of a toss up. Uh, Joe Smith, as y'all may know, he's out with an Achilles tear, probably till June, July time frame. Uh, Hector Rondon, he was pretty good up until September. Up until September, he was fine. He did relatively well, but he kind of collapsed in on himself uh, when the pressure mounted. And then he, 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 there was a little bit of mini controversy with him when he chose not to stand for the national anthem. Like he essentially, I think, stayed in the Doug Howard clubhouse before that Cleveland series, and uh, he got a little bit of heat on that. And because uh, uh, I think he was left off the roster in that ALDS, and uh, he didn't look so hot either when he did pitch in the postseason. Um, but I'm not sure what the Astros do with him. He's still under contract for one more year. They may go, let's you know, try to you know fix what issues are there and move forward. And another name I think to watch out for uh, too in that bullpen. And he had kind of off year, but I like his stuff a lot. Is uh, Chris Davinsky? I think Chris Davinsky. If he kind of rediscovers that 2017 form of it, I think he's probably the next best uh, option out of that bullpen, especially against left-handed pitchers, and right now the Astros do not really have a reliable lefty out of the bullpen. Right now they're probably going to go with uh, a player, uh, they're going to go internally with either probably Framper Valdez or another lefty they have, uh, Shino, uh, uh, I'm not butchering his first name, uh, Perez, who's uh, who uh, made his uh, major league debut this past year as well. He's, he, uh, he has some impressive results with the double-A club for the Astros, the Corpus Christi Hooks, and the triple-A club in Fresno. But as of right now, if I had to rank it, it's probably Osuna, uh, Presley, and Davinsky are probably their top three relief options. Yeah, I would say I'm pretty close to that, too, probably just between Peacock and Davinsky. I think those guys just got overworked in 2017, and then they tried to keep that workload in 2018. You saw that happen with the 2013 Red Sox. Go look at uh, Tozawa. For example, yes. mm-hmm. after that, and then he got a deal and didn't turn into anything. Even Koji fell off after a little bit because, you know, you 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 become a workhorse for a year or two, and then after a while, it just it catches up to you. And I think if the Astros do a better job at, at balancing 
their injuries and knowing their players, they'll win more games this year. We talked about it with Altuve, and we talked about it with uh, Correa. They need rest, and guys like Rondon, Davinsky, and Peacock need rest. And like you said, you have Presley, you have Perez who came up, and you have these guys that, you know, Will Harris that can pitch for you now. And when you're up 9 nothing against the Rays or 6-3 to three against Seattle, you don't need to see your 7-8-9 right there. You just need to get... Some innings in there and, and get guys that can get outs, but, you know, save Davinsky and save those guys. And I like Davinsky as well. Ozuna's the question mark just because of his prior issues. Yes. Do they end up sticking with him? I don't know. You know, they you know, you guys had a prospect that had a, you know, hideous video of him assaulting his girlfriend down the front stairs. And, mm-hmm. you know, you guys, you guys cut him immediately. Verlander was very outspoken about how he would you know, basically said he would, he'd rather kill that guy than be in a locker room with him. And, and then Ozuna comes in and, you know, obviously the whole PR side of that, they tried to keep it on the wraps, but do you think Ozuna is a long part of this team in this bullpen? Do you think he's going to be your closer in the next three years? Do you think he gets traded at some point for anything? It depends on how, uh, exactly uh, how he pitches this year. I think, you know, I think the Astros, I think they're willing to hang with Osuna for, <clears throat> excuse me, for a couple years if they, uh, if he pitches well, uh, you know, I, that was, when the trade happened, when I saw who they, uh, when they got Osuna, I was like, I was like, oh, this is going to be a PR nightmare for them. It, it was, and rightfully so. They uh, they deserve their criticism for uh, for that. Um, at the end of the day, though, I think it, honestly, uh, I you know personally, I would rather him not be on the Astros. I rather the Astros not employ him. But but uh, if they're going to hang with him, I think they'll hang with him as long as as long as he's pitching effectively. Uh, I, I'm with you. A lot of this bullpen kind of hinges on how he goes. Because, uh, you know, the Astros, they had their issues with Ken Giles. Ken Giles kind of fell apart on them. They, you know, gave up a lot of prospect capital for him a couple years ago. And, of course, they used him as kind of one of the main pieces in this Osuna trade. Uh, but he, if Osuna, if he pitches well, I think the Astros are hanging around, uh, keep him around. Uh, mainly due to the fact they just want some stability out of their high leverage guys. And Giles, I'm not sure how much y'all watch of Giles this past year, but he, but he, he uh, he's crazy. He is uh, an absolute he, mental case. Yeah, we watched a lot of him when he's hitting himself in the face with baseballs, freaking no, out at your manager, basically tossed himself out of town, and then he goes to the Blue Jays and does the same shit there. So yeah, he, we, was, we saw a lot of him. He's, I mean, he is a complete nutcase. He's one of those guys, you know, he has so much potential, but it's just he hasn't put it all together yet. And the crazy part about his 2018 season, especially with the Astros, was in safe situations, he was fun. He, you know, he didn't really uh, have any issues on the saves. Is when they put him in games, like we would say, like he needed, like say they were up five runs and he hasn't, he hasn't pitched in about six days. And they said, got well, he needs Craig a little Kimball's bit. Yeah, now. he's got Kimball disease. Exactly. And that was what's the so frustrating part with him is in games that were well underhand, like in hand, uh, he just he just faltered. And it was in non-pressure situations that you know clearly became pressure situations. There was one game in particular against the Indians. It was around Mother's Day or Memorial Day, I believe. And the Astros, you know, they had that game kind of in hand. They, they looked like they were going to, you know, 
you know, win that game pretty handily. And then he comes in and gives up a couple of runs. Well, then by that time, the Indians got the momentum. They, you know, took the game into extras, got the win off of, I think, a solo home run by is either Edwin Carcion or Jan Gomes or somebody. But, but essentially that's what happened in the day is they just couldn't, he just couldn't shut the door and, it became a persistent issue all season. And I think that that was one. And like you said, the last incident with him, with Hinch and, you know, he show he, he spread some choice words to, to Hinch when he got taken out of the game. Again, I think he, uh, I try to remember who was against now, but, but, uh, yeah, when that happened, all of us were like, yeah, he, uh, he gone, he gone. He, he's not coming back. Talk about the JD Davis trade. Because that mm-hmm. was kind of out of nowhere. There's obviously no room for him on this roster. Do you think that you got enough in return? Because I didn't see that move coming, and it was kind of random. Yeah, that was one of those trades that, you know, we, nobody was really expecting that. Everybody kind of knew that the Astros probably didn't have room for him, especially, you know, with Bregman and all uh, and Correa and Altuve, all Manning spots in the infield. Uh, he wasn't. They tried him a little bit in the outfield, but you know his glove. I think was a little bit limited there, and it was kind of it was frankly uh, it was frankly uh, pretty surprising that they traded him when they did. Of course, that's what kind of Luno is known for. He's willing to kind of replenish that farm system on the fly, and the Mets were you know they were willing to give up some prospects for him. But I think the one in, in particular that the Astros really like is uh, he's a young second baseman by the name of Luis Santana. I think uh, I think he was – that's the prospect I think everybody's been bragging up about. And, of course, they have another – they picked up a catcher, which should be noted, uh, Scott Manaya, uh, I believe. And uh, he's – he was a – you know, with Dash was what they're like a catching death right now. They're kind of like, oh, look, here's another catcher to get, especially young, a young one who may uh, prove to be uh, useful down the, down the road. Uh, but – yeah, um, moving on for J.D. Davis, you know, he's clearly got power. I, I like him a lot. I think he's kind of like Kyle Tucker in a way. Give him some playing time, and he'll flourish or at least uh, prove capable enough to justify a major league roster spot somewhere. And uh, the mess were confusing me a little bit because they, based on the initial analysis I read, you know, when you go to various sites like Fangraphs and whatnot, they were kind of like the the Mets kind of play paid a high premium for uh, JD Davis, uh, really. But overall, I, it hurts the Astros' immediate death in terms of like you know infield death down the Myers Davis did provide some uh, innings uh, this past year with the various injuries. But at the end of the day, I think it was the move the Astros felt they just couldn't ignore, especially when the when the Mets were willing to include the prospects they did. AL West, we just talked about the AL Central, which is Astro, which is uh, Indians and Friends. This isn't Astros and Friends per se. There's a little more parity in this one, in my opinion, than, than the Central, at least. Uh, I have Verlander Cole. There we go, you know, I mean, that's exactly how most of these lists are going to start. I actually have Lansom Culler's third, because I think Lance is going to figure it out and kind of bounce back uh then i have shohei otani which if he can get a full season after 2019 which obviously we're talking about 2019 right now i just thought i'd throw him in there and obviously with sean Manaya too which dave's gonna mention and then a uh, little not sleeper but little off the radar one is uh jose leclerc for the rangers he's gonna do really well in that bullpen again this year and if you look at his numbers they're phenomenal that is a that is a baseball name right there 
Leclerc, and if you look him up, he is he is very good. Uh, my list is similar. Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard not to have those guys there. I mean, they're they're the best of the best. I have Manaya number three. I know that Manaya's hurt. I know Otani's hurt, but just because of how good they were and how good he's going to be, I put him in there at three because I legitimately think he will be the third best pitcher in that whole division uh, when healthy. I have Trinan at four in Oakland. Uh, another reliever along with the the central there. This guy's nasty. He's a top five reliever in the game, and he changes games. You fear him coming out of the pen. He's just nasty. And I will Tani number five. I mean, rookie of the year. I think he deserved it. I know uh, Yankee fans don't want to hear that, but Otani's unbelievable. He's the next big thing. He just needs to get healthy. He will get healthy. His season this year alone, you know, hitting and pitching made him on that list. And I think he's going to continue to dominate whenever he does come back pitching healthy. So I made my list based on what might happen next year. Um, in 2019 or 2020? In 2019. Yeah, you're good. So, yeah, and so I mean, I know everything here is for what this next year is going to come, and um, I'm going to work from the bottom up. Number five, Ooh, I got Kirk Matt Paul. Harvey. Excuse me, what? Who was that? Matt Harvey. Yeah, I got Harvey as number five. Matt Harvey, the guy, the guy from the Mets. Yeah, the Dark Knight. Let's go. Okay, yeah. just I just want to confirm we're talking about the same Matt Harvey. Matt oh, Harvey, yeah, does absolutely. It. Cool, cool. Number four, I have. <laughs> and again, guys, hang with me. I'll get. Um, no, I'm with you. I'm just I'm I'm on the edge of my seat now. Number four, I have Daniel Magnin. Yeah. We have, we have I like Magnin a lot. Yeah. Had him on my fantasy team a few times, too. I like Magnin. Be nice if he would now, text us three, back. We, we all know Otani's not pitching. Right. No. We all know. No, he's not pitching. So I put him with a slash with Garrett Cole. Okay. That's, three. That's fine. That's fair. Cole trade. Number Cole two, trade. again, bear with me. Yep. Kikuchi. Yep. Wow. I thought about it. I thought about it. Wow. And then obviously one Verlander. Yeah. Um, I mean. So Matt Harvey. Yeah, you're going to have to explain to your list Matt a little Harvey bit. Yeah, cover, cover all your guys because Kikuchi's Look, Angels name is have a new have a new have a new head coach. They do. They're going to have a new environment. They will. They're going to have a little bit more of a positive atmosphere going on in that clubhouse. They're just going to have it a little bit better vibe. Bringing in a guy like Matt Harvey is a winner. He wants to win. He tries to win. You saw how he bounced back, you could say, with the Reds. Um, you know, still not all there, but I thought it was an awesome sign for the Angels going into this 2019 season. See what you get out of Matt Harvey, which I think is going to be pretty damn good. I mean, I like the signing with that as well. I just don't know if he's going to have a 3-5, 3-6 RA in close to 200 innings. I think it's he It's a does. bad division. Here's the thing. Is. Here's, this is... Well, it's not an awful division. It's not I mean, good. There's hitters in that, there's I'm hitters gonna, in that I'm division. I'm going to bring in the ballpark. Yep. The ballpark plays a big aspect in it. The home ballpark. The defense behind he's you. Have, I guarantee you they're going to probably line him up more, more home starts than away starts. Yeah, I mean, he'll be back in a rotation that gets kind of pick and choose, which is nice with that. And so, and so the reason yeah. I say that is because at in Anaheim, that that ballpark just for whatever reason traps cold air, and then it also is like there's no much wind going on out there, and it's a huge park. That plays into Matt Harvey's favor. And you got to think about the defense behind him, too. Like, he's going to have a good defensive team 
behind him. So that's gonna have an least. awesome defensive team. He's not going out, and I'm not trying to mark you know uh, complain to any Reds fans here, but he's or Mets fans. Yeah, the, the Mets, Mets obviously good. upgraded. Mets, Mets obviously upgraded. Yeah, they gotten better. Yeah, we didn't even cover. We didn't even cover Syndergaard, or we haven't even got to the NL East and talk about the Mets. But my point is. Harvey is going to be in a better situation. Anyway, bottom line is he's in a better situation than he was in the past two, three years. Yeah, he's there's got no better vibes. He signed, a, he signed a good, decent contract, a good contract for the Angels. And I just think they're going to be in a good spot. The Angels are going to be in a good spot with Harvey. Daniel Magnan, I think he's an absolute sleeper in the AL West. He, he is. He, he definitely is. I think... With his with his ability to eat innings when he's asked to eat innings, that goes a long way. It goes a long way. He had 22 games, and 17 of those were starts this past yes. season. Yes. So his innings were down, but because he got hurt um, towards the end of the year, he got yeah he got hurt. Well, I was gonna get to that, and <laughs> but I mean you and his total numbers, his whip is a one one two. He doesn't walk guys. No, he's a contact hitter. And that's and, and and again, I'm not sure if you guys have figured out what my list is kind of based upon. Is I I like guys that get outs. Yeah, you like you you like ground ball pitchers, pop up pitchers, guys that don't don't give up yeah, extra. Runs. I'm not I'm not specifying it to like ground ball, fly ball. I like the strikeouts too. Those are pretty. Yeah. But how about guys just that just go out there and get as many outs as possible for their team and just eat innings. And I, I just, I'm just a big fan of his, and um, I'm excited to see what he does. And then uh, I, I'm personally saying this from from a personal side, a little inside insider scoop here. Um, Kikuchi can absolutely lift the house. Can he? Oh my gosh, this guy is absolutely insane in the weight room, and What's, he is uh... fast. He doesn't. So I don't know how like. He looks different in uh, the Korean baseball uniform than, like, he does an actual person. And the guy can absolutely – he's an athlete. He's honestly a world-class athlete, and he is well below the average height as a starting left-hand – or, yeah, as a starting left-handed pitcher. Yeah, and he's got a he's got an interesting contract as well. He does, very interesting contract. Which is, like, the it's one of the most unique contracts I've seen um before i forget with megnan i really like megnan another guy that that is similar to him i want to get your thoughts on it cole because you might know him. uh nick tropano on la uh-huh so he's only 28 years old similar to megnan he, he had injuries this year uh only 76 pitches i mean 76 innings but no 76 innings 64 strikeouts a 1.30 whip and one of his starts, he actually ended up getting hurt in or towards the end of it. I like him a lot. He's not a top five, maybe in the top ten. But for a team like L.A. in a ballpark like that, like we were talking about, I like him as a, as a sleeper just to help out that squad and if he can stay healthy. He was a Houston Astros pick back in 2011. Yeah, no, I think I think that's – he's going to have a bounce back – or he's going to bounce back from his injury and pitch well. And obviously his, his ERA kind of – Jumped yeah, a little inflated bit. a little bit, yeah. But again, I think yeah, I think he's kind of plays in the same laws as Mendon. So um, I agree. I agree. 